0: This is a Socialist News and Views special
1: interview.
0: I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special interview. The current post on The Raven is called Shutting Down the Space Needle Standing Up for Gaza. In this special, we focus on The Raven as a whole and a previous post from September 14th of this year called How to Build the Future in Place. Here's the interview. Yeah, so on Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. You've been on before. It was about a little over a year ago. Uh, Do you want to just tell people who you are?
1: yeah my name is patrick maza i write the raven substack.com um i'm uh, you know i'm a long-term activist I, i've been at it too long most of my life um i approach uh, approach it from standpoint of you know my, my background is journalism i've also done organizing work um i devote the raven to to um Right now, pretty much solutions in place has become my my major focus. Uh, I've done a lot of work. I've I've really done a lot of work in my life. On you know, rec- the recent decades, have been a lot on climate. Um, I'm I'm also concerned about issues of war and peace, and you know our general ge- our general uh, state of the ecosystems. And the state of our society. So, I that pretty much who I am.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, last time we talked, we, um, the discussion was on a, one of the uh blog posts, Living in a Time of Catastrophe. Um, since then, as you sort of alluded to, you've kind of changed a little bit the way that you want to um put out these uh blog posts from the Raven, kind of ch- changed the the focus, maybe the perspective. Um, And you said specifically around this idea of, uh, you know, building uh, in place. Do you want to just talk a little bit about what that means and and how the focus is a little different these days
1: uh, for folks? Sure. This has been I mean, you know, the idea of of uh, as I you know, my new theme line of the Raven, which I've adopted in the last couple of months is building the future in place. I've been oriented toward politics in place throughout my, my activist uh, journalist career. Um, it's one of the reasons why I, I chose to live in, in the Pacific Northwest, also known as Cascadia, rather than orient to the national centers, because I think I felt that, you know, you can, you know, new ideas come from the margins. And you can really gain your own perspective. um, And you really have a, you know, a chance to develop something uh, that is not totally subject to the rules of the empire, as it were. Uh, But, you know, and, and so that's been a part of the theme of my writing. Since about, about the two and a half years, it's not quite two and a half years since I've been writing The Raven. Uh, but now I'm getting more specific. I, I've generally talked about the importance of grassroots politics, of, of building from the ground up. I'm now getting more into stuff that actually I, I have focused on in my earlier time. Um, and never really lost a focus on it, but really what are the specifics? Uh, how do we build um, a different kind of future in the places we live? Uh, what do we need to do? What are the community initiatives we need to take to build a different kind of economy and society? And from that, not, not being strictly localist, but to develop networks among us that that help that that uh, help move change at broader levels, um, kind of like the mycelial network of fungi under a forest that link the trees. So you know, I'm I'm looking at stuff like public banking, uh, social housing, uh, development of solidarity economy, workers worker cooperative networks. Um, you know, building, building, um, finding ways to to make the uh, experience of eco-villages more massive, more widespread. Uh, de- you know, dealing with pra- the practical tools and resources we need to to create a different kind of future. My my thought here is that, yeah, I, I don't think we should stop doing what we're doing at at national levels. I mean, I'm glad people are pushing for a climate emergency at the national level. Um, I'm glad people are marching in New York City about climate. Um, you know, I'm glad people are are organizing um, into, for some justice for workers through revived labor movements. I think we should continue doing all those things but as far as be, being really transformative, as a, achieving a a genuinely different order of things, I think we need to start in the places we work, and, and build community institutions that do that. Because um, it's pretty clear. I mean, this is, you know, one of the things that has has really moved me in the last summer. I i've really been writing about climate since you know (laughs) probably since around the very late 80s 1990 and and i've been you know i was part part of you know it's been part of my activism uh for a long time uh but this past summer i mean the extremes we've seen in temperatures Both in the atmosphere and the oceans, right? Uh, The extremes we of storms we've seen. People are calling this out. I Mm -hmm. mean, we're you know scientists are calling this out. We're we're way out of whack. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm working with this. It's a kind of a life has so many paradoxical and contradictory aspects, and one of those is that you know the that we face this critical situation where action is needed now it was needed years ago right. and i'm talking about something that's more you know it, it's more a long-term transformative play but i think really what what i've learned about studying both nature and history is that there's there are stepwise changes there are tipping points where things take off quickly so I think one of the best things we can do is build working models in place. I mean, this is a thought of a lot of, I mean, the, the idea of working on climate as a, at a local state level is, you know, it's fairly commonplace now. Um, I think of what I'm talking about is getting to a deeper level, you know, kind of finding ways we can detach from the corporate economy, uh, finding ways where we can reclaim control of our own money and building models that can take off and potentially spread like wildfire as people realize the depth of the situation we're in. I, I have to look at what, where we're at. I have to look at the science, the storms, the the facts, and realize we've, we're over the line. I mean, that, you know, you know, I'm not talking a, a doomist thing, right. but we're over the line in terms of avoiding extreme climate change. Absolutely. We need to prepare our places for what's coming. And that just doesn't mean the physical form of the places, though that's very important. It also means so, the social form of the places. We're going to need need a, a greater level of human solidarity uh, of social connection uh to deal with what what's coming up because it's serious um and you know we you look at the politics of the united states right now and it's fairly depressing as far as you know as far as what the potentials are i mean we did achieve in the You know, in the last several years, some major federal legislation that provides greater tax credits and loans for renewable energy, electric vehicles. um, That's all good, but it sure isn't enough. And how much further we get at the federal level in the immediate time, that's really hard to say. I, I don't know how much farther we get. I think our main place for progress on climate on creating a peace economy, on creating a more equitable economy, on creating racial justice—I think those places are where we live, are the cities we live in, um, the uh, suburbs, the towns—and so that's really where I'm where I'm going right now. Uh, that's what I'm writing about.
0: Yeah and that that kind of gets into the you know one of the pieces that you, that's discussed in the um the blog post I was mentioning uh with the uh the idea of building a uh, future in place was this idea of municipalism talking yeah. about you know Murray uh Bookchin uh, yes. do you want to just talk a little bit about um you know those ideas. I know there was a couple examples of kind of successful um, right. uh, 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 movements in that direction, and, and then a little bit about Bookchin.
1: Yeah, so I spent a lot of the '80s and early '90s reading Murray Bookchin. I've knew, knew people who had been part of Bookchin's um, uh, enterprise. I wrote for a mag in the early '80s for a magazine in Portland called rain which was really about a lot of these topics and bookchin was an anarchist i'm not a pure anarchist in by any means but bookchin saw something called dual power where through bottom up organizing through organizing neighborhood levels community levels we would create community assemblies congresses where we would develop a legitimacy and a demand for, you know, for transformation at the local level, at the local and regional level. Out of that, you know, and and that, what's happened in recent years? There's been a, it feels to me it, like a revival. I've been looking at a lot of this stuff, uh, reading a lot of a lot of the stuff lately. A couple of places which have seen. Uh, experiments in municipalism, uh, which both reveal its potentials and its um, limitations, are Barcelona, Spain, and Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, in Barcelona, a, a group that, that rose out of the, you know, out of the whole housing crisis uh, gained some power in City Hall and created a lot of reforms at the local level. Um, much better social services, uh, community, energy, utility. Um, you know, trying to make more of the city free of cars. Uh, that has they've experienced some reverses because, ironically, they they took a neutral position on on the Barcelona independence movement, and you know, my pardon me the uh, um, but. They, the region in which they're located, uh, Catalan, Catalan, right. uh has had a strong independence movement, which has the support of most of the people, and uh, the, the government has come down hard on that. And they took a neutral position, and they lost some of their electoral strength. So they've had some reverses. They don't have the same power in city government, but they did show the potential for to take power in a city government and and make some changes uh the other is is jackson mississippi where you you had a a movement uh, to um, you know to to create a cooperative economy cooperation jackson which again took city government uh they um they had some problems with and i'm i'm still Digging deep, deeper into this between the, the government people and the movement, this, is, this becomes an issue. Uh, so Cooperation Jackson is devoting itself to creating a solidarity economy based on, on workers' cooperatives. You had, you've had over recent years um, meetings. Uh, uh, Barcelona initiated something called the Fearless Cities Movement. Uh, which has had meetings to kind of consolidate the, the global municipalist strain. There's been a lot of writing on it in recent years. It is, you know, I, I, again, I'm tracking on it. And in some ways, I'm returning to something here that, that, I, that I spent a lot of time with in earlier years. Um, a lot of this is circling back to earlier themes, um, you know, I've I've devoted in my in my time, uh, you know, some some work on you know changing things at national levels, and I think state levels are very important too. I mean, I think in progressive states we are making some real gains, whether it's Washington or Minnesota where I live, or Minnesota where you live. Uh, I think that's important, uh, but but the The whole idea is to begin to consolidate, you know, and and look at the importance of organizing in place and what can we do to really create a whole picture. I see one of the contributions I hope to make. I mean, I see a lot of activity going on in kind of separate silos. And I'd like to figure out how you put that together. There's a whole movement for public banking which is gaining a lot of traction actually San Francisco's moving toward it um, cities in California are moving toward it. there's been a lot of legislation introduced and and then you know and then you have movements for social housing which aren't disconnected but but they're they kind of operate in separate silos um, The energy movement as, again, that's a separate silo the uh, in your, I think you're in the Twin Cities, right? Um, you know, they, you have the Institute for Local Self Reliance there doing some great work on community energy utilities, community composting. Yeah, and I, I don't, you know, I'm not saying nobody's really nobody is thinking of these of how these things work together, but that's where I'm really I really want to devote my my attention as somebody who's participated in movements and had some experience in movements and how things do get siloized, how how really to begin to bring things together on a community basis. And that's where I think, and, and this, you know, Barcelona had this experience too of organizing out of neighborhoods, community assembly. I, I think that idea, that kind of Bookchin's original thinking has some weight to it where, you know, you create, you create kind of community you don't have all your politics oriented toward the electoral Um, you you create kind of this dual power which holds the electoral the the electoral accountable Um, and you know bookchin's idea was eventually it would supplant the state i don't know but yeah at least you you hold this And, and one of the problems that happened in barcelona that i've read is some of the main organizers out of Out of this community movement went into the city government so the community movement lost some of its some of its juice right so how how do you you know and i you know that's really been a debate in in left and green politics for a long time the whole thing of movement and party how do you how do you hold the if you're going to if you're actually going to elect people to office how do you hold them accountable and, and continue not, not just, you know, not just to work around election times, but to have a steady effort to, you know, to say, here's what we want. Um, Here's what we want you to do and to make the elected politicians, the servants of the, of the movement. Um, So that, you know, thinking at this point, yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of a
0: lot of folks are trying to draw these same lessons and look at these same pieces or similar pieces and see how it all fits together. You know, yeah, in the portion in the portion of that um blog post you had a a section I think, you know, bringing all the pieces together yeah. and um, you know, you've touched on some of that stuff. I think, you know, I think social housing, you know, is a big piece um yeah. because yeah, just it, it, it just um uh, it, it, it has that, uh, ability to, you know, limit your travel for all different kinds of, uh, you know, needs that you might have. Um, you know, it limits, uh, you know, it, it allows you to rely on other people in that kind of, uh, space. Yeah. You had the piece on, you know, new community forms, which is similar with the eco villages and cooperatives and co-housing and all this stuff. Um, and then, you know, the governance was another piece. We talked, you know, you talked about book chin about, um, you know, dual, you talked about dual power a little bit. I've definitely been looking into the, um, you know, idea around like parallel governments and things like that. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, you mentioned some different forms, like, uh, was the watershed council, I think, or yeah. some other, some other forms where, you know, the citizens can be playing a role. There's also, um, I know there's a, um, there's a, uh, a law or a, uh, a bill in, I think in Australia that would, um, give, uh, some oversight or, 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 um, voting power to the indigenous, uh, community, the Aboriginal community in yeah. Australia related to projects that would impact them. Um, yeah. I guess it was kind of slowing down. There was a big demonstration by a lot of people, uh, in the country recently. I don't really know where that's going, but that's another piece, you know, building into the, um, uh, into the government, a piece where, you know, the indigenous communities have a direct, uh, input or a direct piece of, of, of the input going into that. There's also obviously, you know, land back is another demand, you know, giving, um, you know, some, or potentially all of the land back to indigenous communities to steward, whatever, you know, these pieces, I think, I think a lot of these can work together, including the, you know, the, the, um, parallel government, potentially the, the social housing, the cooperative housing, you know, being able to, um you know, be a little bit more uh have a little more self-determination over our housing and stuff like that would definitely yeah. help in uh, being able to govern ourselves uh, directly a little bit better.
1: But you have thoughts on that? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we right now, you know, I'm, I have the fort, you know, I'm one of those baby boomers who's fortunate to have a, an interest. I've got a minority interest in a cooperatively owned house. Um, my daughter, I live in Seattle, which is one of the more expensive cities now. And my daughter doesn't really, you know, she's actually over in Japan teaching now. But, you know, if she lived in, you know, if she was would return to Seattle. She doesn't have a great chance to own a house right. here. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people in the younger generation simply don't. Oh. Uh, and you look at what's happened to the rents in recent years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have exploded far past the income levels. Uh, and this is a lot because housing has become a speculative investment by the private equity firms, but BlackRock, et cetera, uh, you know they see, you know they they want to take rents. They they want this reliable rentier economy. Mike the economist, right. Mike Hudson, talks a lot about this. They you know they you know investing in productive stuff. Well, that's less certain, but you invest in them. In an apartment building, well, you you know people are kind of trapped, and you you know you can charge a lot. A lot of times, what you want yep. now, if you if you have a large portion of the housing in the city owned directly by the city or by nonprofit co ops, nonprofit housing um, organizations, then you have um, essentially something rent controlled. You have a you know you have a a con- you have something that puts a check on this private speculative economy, you know, by giving people another option. Uh, then you talk about, I mean, and everybody points to the example of Vienna, Austria, as as a as a prime example. And this came out of a, you know, the the original came out of a period they call it Red Vienna, which is like the in uh, the. After World War One into the 30s, um, when you know it was it was a socialist agenda in the city to create adequate housing, and and that got built on in the post-war era, uh, post World War Two era, and and now 60 percent of the city, uh, people in the city are are live in these in in social housing, and unlike what we. You know what we've associated with public housing in the in the U.S. It is mixed incomes, um, from you know low income to higher, even higher middle income, and you there and you can be there once you have a place. You can keep it. You can be there permanently. You don't get kicked out at a, at a certain point. So these can really be pe- places people live. Then on top of that if you look at, at not just not just uh, creating social housing that's socially equitable but looking at the newer building techniques the kind of these you know the 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 living building techniques the right. the idea of creating buildings that generate most or a lot of their own energy that capture water Mm-hmm. and that process it on site. Uh, there's more and more examples of these kind of buildings actually working and that are made with, with um, you know, to the highest level possible with non-toxic and energy efficient materials that not just produce their energy on site, but are, but are designed to minimize the use of energy. Uh, then you, you, you get this whole other layer that's ecological and, and as you mentioned, um, you know the, the increasing cost of housing, of rentals and housing in cities is driving lower to middle income people out of the cities to the inner ring suburbs, where it becomes very difficult, takes too much of the time of your day to use transit if you're coming into the city to work. Right. Uh, So people who would be most inclined to use transit are being pushed out to places where they're driven to get old beater cars, which are probably going to be, you know, less efficient. Uh, So you've got that where, you know, having having, um, social housing, ecologically constructed, that is in areas well served by transit, in mixed use neighborhoods where you can actually walk you know, to the store, uh, walk to school. So you don't need to use the car or transportation even very much. So you, you layer all these pieces on top and then you, you know, then you can get into the, even the, the further of cooperative and democratically managed housing where the tenants actually have some control over the housing as, and, and, and have a democratic say in how it's managed so you get you get all these pieces put together around creating and and i think converting um some existing housing into social housing it's it's really important it's one of the keystones of of making this thing happen yeah i uh i
0: agree with you on that um you know the and the Towards the end of the piece, uh, you're right. We need to uh, build a society, and economy based on kindness and mutuality yes. that emphasizes cooperation over competition. Uh, if this seems lofty and hopelessly idealistic, it's the only realistic path forward in a world plunging into great disruption and deepening crisis. Um, it says if there really are solutions to a world like this, they rise from common kindness. I really agree with yeah. that. Um, I really appreciate you uh, speaking with me and, you know, grappling with these issues, because like I said, I think we're all grappling them w- with them. It's just a case of, you know, how much information we have and <laughs> and uh, how much time we have to, to talk through these issues and stuff. And I think, you know, huge, huge masses of people, obviously, especially people experiencing these crises directly right now, uh, you know, from Maui to you know libya to i mean heat waves all across the globe yeah. you know the warming waters you know people are having to grapple with this stuff um again i really appreciate you speaking with me is there anything else you want to share before you go
1: well i do think that the you know again i think finance public banking reclaiming control of our own of our own money is is an absolute keystone You know, why why should your local government put their money into Wells Fargo or Bank of America or Chase, which is gonna invest it around the world and invest in fossil fuel production and arms and stuff which is going to undermine your own city, you know, with maybe exporting jobs from your city? Why should why should your city government not or state government, not be putting the money into a bank owned by the city or state? Uh, why, you know, and, and why can people put, put their own money, knowing that is going to be reinvested, not all over the world, but in their own area to improve life in their own area to for stuff like social housing, or worker co-ops, social, solidarity economy, uh, very attractive. I think I think that is, you know, if if, if I'm going to, you know, point to two really keystone pieces of this whole puzzle, it's public banking and uh, social housing. I mean, there's a lot of others, but those are two of the biggies.
0: Well, I really appreciate, really appreciate your time. And they can uh, find you at theraven.substack.com. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, and
1: I can use subscriptions. Um, Absolutely,
0: yeah. Well, I really appreciate uh, your time. Yeah, you can use subscriptions, you said. uh, And so folks should go over there and consider uh, a paid subscription so you can keep doing all this important work to uh, look at these different solutions and uh, find the history that we've lost to uh, help us figure out where we need to go. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Patrick.
1: All right. Have a good one.
0: And that's our special interview. Thanks so much for listening. Solidarity.
1: This has been a Socialist News and Views special interview.